I have for you is a word. Tell it. It'll open the right doors. Some of the wrong ones, too. You have to start looking at the world in a new way. Don't try to understand it. Feel it. Welcome just back. Used... Yeah, it's already going well. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the best films of 2019 part two. <laughs> Heads up, there are spoilers in this, but it's only after we clearly say we're about to be talking about spoilers. So enjoy the first, however long it is before that. Uh, it's Real Opinions, back again with a, the by annual podcast <laughs> this it's time at this point it's like do you ever watch um like the royal family or anything like that where they now just do episodes like every so often they'll do a christmas episode and that's it right just, like once every two years there's a christmas episode and that, that's all they do now they're not doing full seasons anymore that is a really british tv show thing to be like yeah at the it, by the end they seem to have more specials than they did actual episodes yeah yeah um, anyway, what was it about a minute before recording? You did say there's no <laughs> tangents. <laughs> I'm done. That's and my one. Do. That's my one per episode. We both went into giant metal cylinders wearing masks and went out into the brave open world to go and see Tenet in cinemas. Yeah, we've we've braved the outside world and and put our loved ones at risk in order to see <laughs> a very confusing, a uh, very garbled film like with really messy up audio and it's just very hard to you know comprehend how was the uh the actual experience for you because um mine was actually i found myself thinking i hope cinemas stay like this indefinitely because there was like two other people in the cinema who were perfectly silent oh yeah i, loved I imagine it. for you it's probably best yeah yeah i loved it the only negative um was there was a fly in the screen and it kept, I guess there was no one like, you know, no one was coming in to check the screening like normal. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. This is the cinema experience I've missed. Just staring at the, <laughs> the shadow of a fly for half the film. Did you see it in IMAX? No, I don't. I, there's no IMAX in no. I was glad when I got out and I started reading, I started reading all the comments of people online and finding it wasn't just IMAX people that found it incredibly hard to hear everything mm-hmm. because I just assumed that, you know... I know that there is probably, like, with the projection at least, there's more technical quality behind an IMAX cinema, but I do find, like, it's just their excuse to turn all the audio knobs up to 11 and just bombard you with sensors. Well, yeah, well, that's... Uh, the, I've, I've not seen many films in IMAX. Like, the the extent of my IMAX experience is, like, you know, when you go to, like, a museum and they have, like, an IMAX... Right, and it's the planetarium section. Yeah, or yeah. there were a couple I saw um, in Southampton with you. We saw Crimson Peak, which is designed for IMAX. Oh, yeah. And my, I forgot about that, yeah. And the, my, my, my biggest memory of that was that it started with, like, an advert for IMAX, you know, like, showing off the IMAX experience, even though we were already in the IMAX experience. So I really right. don't know who they're trying to appeal to with that. 
but it, 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 it was just that. It was just like a load of loud noises. And then it went like, ta-da! Well, yeah, no, I saw it in a, a normal cinema. It's about five minutes in. We should probably talk about the film at yeah. some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tenet. I, overall, I did like it. I liked, I think I liked parts of it more than I liked the overall thing, if that makes sense. Like, I liked sequences and I liked ideas and I liked particular moments but overall I found it to be kind of jarring and not just from a I didn't understand it but I mean just from a pure like storytelling point of view I agree with every word you just said cool well thanks for listening (laughs) uh yeah the way it, it It's it's very, very difficult for me to be too critical of a film that at times was as amazing as this was. Um, Mm. Like, even though I agree with you that it is heavily flawed, when when there are individual sequences this amazing, it's it's hard to, to not be caught up in that instead for me. I don't know if, if you feel the same way, but like, I, I almost forget about a lot of the problems that I agree are, are definitely 100% there because I just watch someone have a really cool fight where one person's going forwards and one person's going backwards. And that, that's yeah. the thing that sticks with me instead of all of the problems. Yeah, I could understand. Like, the, the thing that I keep coming back and thinking about is like, I really loved, like, I, I, I remember. Briefly scanning through like the lo- the log lines of reviews, and just being a general like middling, and then sitting through that first introductory sequence at the opera and just getting just that was so well done that first mm-hmm. uh, action sequence and just thinking this is great I don't see what the problem yeah. is it's going great so far that, that was that was how I felt for quite a lot of the film actually was I, I yeah because I yeah. saw a lot of people say that it was like it was Inception to the power of 10 in terms of how uh, intricate and convoluted it was. And for the first, like, half, I, w- I, w- I don't really think it is. Yeah, and then yeah, it I hit a certain way. point in the narrative where I went, oh, now I see. Now It I, sort now- of had, a, for me, it had a real, like, you know, like, radioactivity, like, half-life quality. <laughs> Where it starts good, and then by like, and it and it just gets progressively like as it gets towards the end. I just get. I think I, like, I could pinpoint the section like, for me where it starts, and and I think it gets exponential from there. But mm. I would say around the point that character enters is around the point where I start to go. Hey, hey. Yes. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a really good point. Slow yeah, down. A point. There was nothing individually that I necessarily couldn't understand but it just it goes so fast at that point it, it's like a thousand concepts at once that are largely mumbled at you and you're like, yeah what what we'll get shall on we to take the this sound mixing just, later but <laughs> so i was gonna say do we want to just take a moment just to say here that it's pretty hard to get into the nitty gritty of the film without talking spoilers. Yeah, I, I suppose. I think we've, we've we just fine we, up to this point. We we just do like a, a little um, shorter roundup then, just before we get yeah. onto the spoiler part. Like that very, as if we had written a review where we couldn't spoil anything. Yeah, I, exactly. I think 
well, although I could I could class some of the of the acting as like a little bit wooden, I enjoyed most of the characters throughout. Like there right. wasn't much characterization like behind no. protagonist, but I think yeah. that he did as uh, David Washington did. You know, the same as he did with Klansman. I think he gave a bit more of a, a like an undertone to the kind of what would otherwise be quite a bland character if played yeah. by maybe another act uh, like. Uh, less talented actor Robert Patterson I really liked um I think the cinematography was great as it as it always is in a lone film mm-hmm. uh the music when it wasn't being too much I enjoyed <laughs> okay I thought um, the music was fine um I didn't I didn't love it I wouldn't it, say it's like my favorite score of the year or anything no, but um, I, I would say that it it was enjoyable and it it did sell I I could tell at points where it was trying to sell the concept through the music i think um, the, the way i would sort of it's like a lot of uh i know it's not hans zimmer but like a lot of hans zimmer scores because even though it's not hans zimmer it felt very much like the guy was given the brief to <laughs> do a hans oh, yeah, zimmer yeah. score um like a lot of the ones that hans zimmer does for christopher Nolan specifically i it, it was like a good effect driven score in the sense that it, it, yes, it's it's, it's to sell not, the experience, not yes. to listen to on its own. Exactly, yeah. It's it's not got like memorable motifs. It's not a particularly um, pleasant <laughs> listening experience. It's mm. just it's just good at um, accentuating the action and and creating atmosphere, which is fine. But I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I think I've heard that type of score be done better. I thought it was fine. I thought it was a, a fine, uh, Nolan imitation score. I found the editing to be. It did offer clarity for like a lot of the action scenes, which is what I'm basically looking for in editing in that mm-hmm. stuff. And then as it seemed to get on as with the concepts it seemed to get progressively more jarring with the cutting right. to the point where i don't think the editing was helping um the sense of confusion that came with the concepts so i, I the... On, on the note of um the coherence of action and editing for the most part i think the action sequences of this are incredible the the fight in yes. the airport brilliant the car chase good the one the the extended climax yes i found I absolutely disorienting because yes. uh, this is i'm not this is not a story spoiler so i'll i feel like i could i feel fine to include it in the non-spoiler section you have a bunch of characters that i know they have ribbons like blue and red to sort mm-hmm. of distinguish them but a, they're all moving very fast. It's it's very hard to tell who is who, especially because everyone's got masks on, and it's editing between them with seemingly no connective tissue or rhyme or reason between why we're cutting to this person now versus why we're at this person here, and because that particular action sequence is filled with people moving in different times to each other. It just becomes, if, like at that point, I was just watching to watch explosions and spectacle because I had no chance of following yeah, it, what I, was actually it, like, happening. I was just like, oh, that building exploding was cool. I don't know why it exploded. 
I don't know who exploded it, but it was cool. Yeah, I, f I felt like I was just kind of grabbing at, like, whatever was in the frame I could, like, yeah. paint to as a reference point in some ways. It felt like, in more ways than one, it felt like when there's, like, a new shooter out or something, and I just <laughs> see, like, five minutes of footage from it, and people are doing, like, powers and things, and I have no idea what is actually happening, what the tactics are, like, what the map is. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm... It felt like editing was a large part of it, alongside the actual, like, production. Just conceptually the... what was happening. Conceptually, yeah. It was it was a sequence where I felt like I got the gist of the concept prior to this. Mm -hmm. And then it just... I, re I found myself asking more questions about it yeah. during the sequence. And, it, and, and it's just handing you, like, a box of jigsaw pieces and just, like, say, like, you handle this. It's just throwing random pieces at you. The other pro so my two major problems, there are individual things that we can get into in the spoiler section. One of them was that I felt, not that the film inherently was too confusing, but that I don't think it explained itself in the best possible way all the time, especially yeah. in that second half. And the other major problem I did have, and I've not always had this problem with Nolan films, I've had it with some, but not all was in this particular case, I did find the coldness and the distance to all characters a little too much. I don't think it, like, for example, I know some people said it when Inception came out, some people said that um, Nolan was on the verge of becoming too much of a technician and not enough of a storyteller. And I don't yeah. think that about in uh, Inception. I think Inception does have heart and does give me at least through Leonardo DiCaprio's character, an emotional hook. I, I, I disagree with that in terms of Inception. Certainly in terms of Interstellar, which at parts verges on being sentimental and sappy. This film, I felt like it was just too distant to the point where we literally have a character called the protagonist, who I know yeah. next to nothing about apart from that he doesn't drink when he's on the job and that he likes Diet Coke. And then the only <laughs> character that it really gives you any kind of emotional connection to is the um, Elizabeth Becky's character. But yeah. even then, I don't know. It just it didn't feel like enough where like, I really kind of want my protagonist to be someone that I can engage with. And I agree with you that the performances are not the problem there. I, I think that John David Washington did his best to inject that character with personality, but there's only so yeah. much that an actor can do when the script is deliberately kind of holding the character at, uh, at arm's length for a lot of it. And... See, I don't particularly mind it with... I, I agree with you about this feels like, in many ways, his coldest film. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that it helped the 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 concept because you're not you're focusing entirely on the concept yes. and trying to figure that out as opposed to just going along with it because you like the characters and you exactly. want to see where they're going. You're watching Inception and you you regardless of whether you understand the internal mechanics of the plot, you yeah, you're presumably care because you want Leonardo DiCaprio to get with his kids again. Or in Memento, regardless of whether you understand the chronology of what's happening, you, you, there is an emotional hook of you want to see this guy 
uh, get revenge for his wife. Well, exactly. And so, for instance, with Inception, I mean, they introduced the mechanic right at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But a majority of the the central section where they are using, like, the dreams mechanic is it's hooked around an emotional event. Like, it's hooked around trying to get Killian Murphy's character to, like, talk with his dad, (laughs) basically. And it's hooked around an emotional, like, idea and a concept, sort of. And... That roots it in a lot of ways. And I feel like they they try to do that with Tenant in, mm-hmm. in a certain way, but it feels as opposed to Inception where it feels like it's ingrained in the why they're doing this, this it feels kind of separate in Tenet, which makes it even more jarring. And yeah. then it's jarringly done outside of that as well. <laughs> it feels unclear why it's connected. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's how I think like if they put more of that emotional core, filled it out a bit more, and made it more tied to the concept, I think people would have less questions alongside the whole, you know, final battle thing. Yeah. This film is purely plot-driven. If you think like, you know, those, that that kind of rule that that apparently scripts are supposed to abide by, where you cut out anything that isn't necessary for the plot, this is like the ultimate version of that to a fault where every dialogue sequence is someone explaining something it's somebody it's so it's it's chess pieces moving around and you never really get a moment where people are just people and mm. i really think it i really feel like it could have done with a scene where the characters were just allowed to talk about something other than physics or soviet closed cities like if there was just yeah. a scene where they were allowed to be warm people i think it would really 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 benefited the film i think the only i i have like a point to make on that but it's sort of it's not like it doesn't uh, my thought wouldn't have any spoilers but mm-hmm. it's sort of a generalization of how i viewed the plot that i don't want to you know how That's sometimes you can read someone's opinion and it paints how you're seeing it yeah as you see it i Sh- wouldn't want to do that Shall we? I I think I've got the majority of my big points out of the way. It's technically amazing, apart from the sound mix, and um, the action sequences are stunning. And I think it's nice to watch a blockbuster that has ambition, which this definitely does. And for the most part, I did enjoy the plot until it just became uh overwhelming <laughs> towards the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and overall, I did like the film. I just have. A number of problems with it so that, that's my non-spoiler overview i think we have basically the same opinion on it <laughs> which is great as, as pretty we seem to align more and more as we do more <laughs> of these and i don't know if it's because we're doing more of these or just because <laughs> we're actually changing separately yeah okay i'm happy to go into a spoiler section now if you don't mind yeah cool so warning here stop listening <laughs> The way I, when I came out of it, I tried to find like two analogies to explain how I felt about it. And the first one I came up with was, you know, like in like an Ocean's Eleven heist film. Yes. You always have this, they've got a plan and then they go into the action and then a few things go wrong. Something goes like cocks up Mm -hmm. and then just at the very last moment that the main guy goes, actually, I planned Mm -hmm. for this all along. Yeah. And then we have a flashback and then it shows you like the really satisfying stuff where 
it like shows you clips from a different perspective, like right. things that you haven't seen that they've actually planned for the whole time. And it shows that that was the plan all along. And it's like this really satisfying, like, bet you didn't see this moment. And then it all comes together to a conclusion. This felt like, in a way, is like one of those heist films where it's set up for one of those. And then, like, it's set up for, like, it gets to the final moment. And they're going to show this back, like, loads of clips showing about how they set up to this. And then it doesn't have that. Like, that's how I felt with how Robert Patterson's character was treated in the final moments. I felt like mm-hmm. we were going to see a load of almost like a montage of things Although, setting up how we got to this point in reverse, sort of. I mean, it doesn't and then I never sh- got that. It doesn't show you, but there are a lot of clever little things that I do remember about Robert Patterson's character that do actually have renewed significance um, in retrospect. That I really liked, like just the little things for the most part, like um, the fact that he knew that he didn't drink on the job, not because it's oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah. job to know everything, but because he actually so because he knows knew him, him in the future. Yeah, yeah. And yeah I, see, it's, I cool. liked clicking that stuff once I came out of it, but I also feel like they they I was expecting like more clips or something. Like I was expecting like especially as like I think a lot of people will come out of it. And not necessarily just because it was so far back in the beginning, mm. but they will forget that Robert Patterson is the guy that saves him in the opera in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And like, it was sort of a thing where it took me about 20 minutes after watching it to be like, oh yeah, there was a guy that saved, like, not that I didn't connect it, but because it was so far removed from the rest of the plot, I was just thinking back to the opera scene. I was like, oh yeah, that was there. Mm-hmm. And I felt like there was like another version of the film where they have shown like if they'd shown a clip towards the end cutting back i don't think it's you know over explaining to an audience i think you get that kind of satisfied like yeah things clicking i agree i I agree i think was missing at the end of this film to really help people feel a bit less confused about everything Uh, the thing is they sort of hint at doing that with the part where she dives off the boat Yes. Like there, yes, they exactly. there they actually do. Um, they do the visual like here. See. Yeah. But they don't do anything like else. Yeah. <laughs> and the other um, way that I kind of had thinking about it mm-hmm. was that it felt almost like a book adaption. Like it felt like someone had been handed a really massive novel that's like a really dense spy thriller about this time travel stuff and someone had to condense it into a single screenplay and they were like (laughs) cutting out loads of character moments and scenes Mm -hmm. and other bits that kind of help pad out the world and explain the world more Mm -hmm. and they just had to put it into a film i say that not just because it feels like stuff is missing but it feels like you know in certain adaptions they sort of they don't explain certain things to you because they they expect you to already know it in some ways like harry and it felt like like Harry Potter does that with a lot of the magical stuff. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to explain everything to you. Harry Potter um, never explains what happens to Sirius Black in the movies when he falls through that weird gate thing. I don't think they do in the books much. Do they not? Well, they don't. They certainly don't in the film. I mean, it's the Department of Mysteries, so I assumed it's a mystery. <laughs> That's um, what I always led to believe as a kid. But you, but you, yeah, like in the films, they've got a like they've got a deadline to meet. They've got to get it within like this six hundred, seven hundred page book within two and a half hours. Yes. So they've got to get a move on, and that's how it felt. With like, it felt like 
there were scenes or moments where I felt like I should already know more about this. Like, mm-hmm. it's treating it like I should know more about this, and I just don't. But I, I, I know the real things, but for me, that that is uh, exemplified by the moment where Michael Caine says something along the lines of, have you heard of the uh, Soviet Union closed cities? Yeah, yeah. And then he goes, yes! And then they just move on. <laughs> and I was like, what? I, what? <laughs> like, I could just... I, I could just envision half the cinema going, but I haven't, and they just <laughs> yeah. they just don't bother. They're just like, no, he has, so screw you. But um, I, I I know this isn't exactly the point that you were making, but when you talked about the the whole heist thing, and you the the heist analogy, and you mentioned that there's there's a period of setup, and then something goes wrong, and then you see at the end that um, that actually they it all planned out that. according yeah. to plan. Uh, the part yeah. where something goes wrong is also quite interesting to me because in a heist movie, you know something's gone wrong because you understand what the plan was in the first place. Right. Yeah. If you if you understand <laughs> the plan, yeah. then you can then there is tension when it, the plan does not go exactly right. It's like yeah. that's like the Hitchcock thing. Um, you got to show dial- the bomb under the table. Yeah. Or it's I think it's Dial M for Murder, where they spend like a long time explaining what the character's like scheme is, so that when it goes wrong, you feel the tension because you know you've known the scheme in detail, and then yeah. that's not what's happening, so you feel the tension. In the case of Tenant, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to that final action sequence, I was so hazy on the goals of what people were trying to accomplish. At least in terms of the the individual mechanic, like I knew the the gist, I knew what the the overarching objective of everybody was, but I wasn't necessarily clear on what individual characters were trying to accomplish in that given moment. That it meant that even though the music and the editing was telling me I should have been excited and on the edge of my seat, I kind of wasn't because I didn't know, for example. I didn't know if things were going badly. I didn't know what... Yeah. I, I, I was unsure what the... Not what the stakes were, but I was unsure what the... I guess what the situation was. I didn't know if 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 this was a case where I should be like biting my nails and going, oh no, or if I should be going, good. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly what I wanted to happen. Because I didn't yeah. understand the individual characters um missions in that particular sequence yeah that that whole we're in the, we're in the spoiler section so we could just talk freely but the whole pincer movement thing was just so confusing like and it was like drawing on the fucking board with like arrows yeah, moving yeah. like what you want like the thing is is that it was always like the way that I mentioned it earlier, where I just said it just kept adding questions. Yeah. Because it, I kept feeling like, ah, now I get it. And then they'd do something else. I'd be like, what's happening? <laughs> like They'd say, you know, we've got to get to this bomb. They've got th- this mysterious enemy, which I feel like I never saw. You yeah. know, they're shooting wildly at something. <laughs> yeah. I never yeah. really see, like, I feel like I never saw an enemy get shot in that yeah. whole sequence <laughs> for some reason. But I get like, oh, so one team is going from the future and one team's going from the past and they're going to both attack at the same time. Make that, okay, that's fine. Yes. That makes sense to me. Yes, I agree. And then and then it cuts to, 
I don't see. I think it would just make so much more sense if you just showed the the people going backwards in time, going backwards in time, as yeah. opposed to being forwards from their perspective. Yeah, yeah. It because was just... it just led to so much. Ugh. <laughs> Again, I don't think that there's anything in this film that is too confusing as a concept. It's all to do yes. with the rate at which it delivers exposition. Often the mumbling or the the, oh, the, yeah. the unclear audio with which they're delivering that exposition. But it just feels that, especially in that climax, like it is just throwing stuff at you. And you're not really... It, it reached a point where I felt almost like I was incentivized to stop trying and to just go, okay, yeah. like, fine, I'll just trust that, that this makes sense. Um... But uh, should we talk about we we've kind of mentioned it several times. Should we talk about the uh, sound? Yeah, yeah, we can we can come back to the finale later. Yeah, the the sound, I think everyone's touched on it at some point. But the sound's just garbled. Yeah, it, it felt like half the scenes while I was watching it. It's probably a lower percentage, but mm -hmm. there are just a number of scenes where you just cannot make out what they are saying whatsoever. Yeah. And it's, it's intentional. It's it, it has to be intentional. It has to be, because there's no way that a director who gets everything else so technically precise and so immaculate yeah. can be so blind, not blind, deaf, on one particular aspect of his film. There's no way that someone who is has such an eye for detail and is so concerned with everything being just right, and is so much of a champion of, like, the cinematic experience, there is no way that he's just got blinders on for this one particular thing. Mm -hmm. But it's really weird because it's it's not always been a problem. It kind of started around the Dark Knight Rises time. And I know people yeah. complained about it with Interstellar as well. I people, didn't remember... People complained about it with The Dark Knight, if you remember people talking I, about the Batman voice was hard to understand. Well, that's different. Just because he's I a mean, bit yeah, raspy. Sure, yeah, that's slightly different. That's more to do with the the performance, I guess. But when you get to Bane, that's like an audio effect that they have deliberately put on. And They it did was change it, though, didn't they? What, the Batman voice? No, they changed the Bane voice. Well, they did. Because apparently because it was even more confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but there were it wasn't just the Bane voice with the Dark Knight Rises. There were also, like for a lot of people who did see it in IMAX, there were complaints generally of the music drowning out um, dialogue and things like like that. The, these complaints trace back to the Dark Knight Rises. People mentioned it with Interstellar. I don't actually remember Interstellar as being that bad. Obviously, Dunkirk doesn't have much dialogue, so it's not. Yeah, it's it's overwhelming. It, also, that's like a lot of it's overwhelming on purpose, yeah. and it's so, ironically, compared to this film, it's so simple. You don't really need to care that much. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. such a simple task that you know what's happening. I have like a weird theory, and it's my usual conspiracy theory that I think I've mentioned before on this podcast, and it's probably wrong. But I just have this weird gut feeling that. Nolan is such a champion of seeing things in the cinema that he kind of wants to dissuade, um, you know, camcorder recordings of his films because can you imagine how difficult it would be to hear what is what is being said in Tenet? 
if you were watching, uh, you know, a, 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 a not just a, a, a pirated copy, but a pirated copy that is someone like filming on their phone <laughs> in the cinema. It would be completely incomprehensible. And I know that this is like studios have admitted to this before that they like make films deliberately dark sometimes for that reason because i haven't seen be that before i mean i've seen a very dark film before but i haven't seen that that quote it's, it was yeah it's it's a thing they do to to try and discourage piracy they make their films you know they set films at night or they they deliberately make them poorly lit and i just wonder is that what's happening here is it just is it just a way to stop to make people go and see mm. it on in IMAX like you I, want? I, I think that may be an like an added benefit thing. I don't right. think that's his full like battle plan. <laughs> but I agree that it it's something that I haven't thought about. But yeah, watching anything, I mean anything with like a deep bass, yeah. is so much harder on a cheap audio device. And the so. Thing, the the irony is, it just makes me want to watch it on Blu-ray, where I can put the subtitles on. Oh yeah, that's, exactly. That's, it just makes me want subtitles, and then like I, I, I will definitely the next time I watch it, I will be watching it with subtitles, regardless. It, and it's not just the mix. I, I know a lot of people are focused on the audio mix, but it's also just the fact that he's obscuring people's faces for so much of the film, so you can't read their lips, which does help you understand what people are saying, even if it's subconscious. Oh yeah, people, yeah, yeah, people definitely. got face coverings on. And the talking over there's a bit where Kenneth Branagh's talking over a walkie-talkie, so I can't you mean, see uh, it. You're talking about the boat bit. No, I'm talking about well, I'm talking about the end where I guess yeah, he's on a boat. He's talking over a walkie-talkie, and so I can't see his face. They've obviously, it's it's they've made it sound like he's on a walkie-talkie and they're underground while explosions are happening. And mm. he's talking in a slightly garbled Russian accent. But he's explaining why the future have declared like war on the past. He's explaining a oh, very, yeah, yeah. very, very crucial thing to understanding the story. And for some reason, he's like, Yeah, hey, but I don't want him to hear it. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> him to know why. Um, I'm going to quickly run through my points regarding the audio. Which, uh, <laughs> You've got a list. Uh, it's more that there's two particular scenes. Well, like, okay. well, there's two particular things. Like, for instance, I've I've seen people like say like, it will be scenes where like they are on the boat, which I know is a big one for people. Mm. Uh, oh, when they're like, on the yacht, scenes... the, the super yes. yacht thing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was and like where they're wearing masks, and people saying like, well, because they're wearing masks, it's hard to record audio. That's actually not true because yeah. when they're on the yacht scene they literally have microphones up to their mouths yes they do it makes it even more confusing because again they make them sound like crappy microphones so yeah, but you can get a decent or size microphone yeah. for that size and you can do noise reduction and everything like it's a thing of and also when a character is wearing a mask you can put a microphone inside that mask and get a clear recording or exactly yeah. like like people have said, like if if they are wearing a mask, it's a lot easier to ADR them. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot easier. So it's 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 it is like to me that just signifies that it's a complete, you know, it's a choice. As well as yeah, the the one scene where it really bothered me, the audio. The other ones were garbled, and I could kind of just say like, okay, I'm tuning out for this scene because I'm not going to understand it. I I like it, it would go for like one or two lines, and I just think I'm not going to strain to hear because I'm not mm -hmm. going to pick up anything. 
the one where it really bothered me was when just after the first version of the car chase and they bring yeah. him into the room and it's the first time you kind of see the turntable properly you see Kenneth Branagh double his double comes out backwards out of the mm-hmm. on the blue side of the room and it will do a thing where like so he's talking backwards yeah, you yeah, hear yeah. him talking backwards and then you hear the audio fast forward, but there's a slight yeah. one, there's a slight delay. Two, you can still hear him talking backwards yeah, yeah. in the background. Yeah, 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 and yeah. three, you've also got the people yelling to him in normal time <laughs> behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know you've got exactly three versions of uh, Kenneth Branagh talking I'm, at the same time. I'm so glad and, that you picked this scene because this was I think this was the point. Like I know I said earlier I can pinpoint it as the moment when Aaron Johnson arrived. Yeah, and Aaron was, Johnson was, shows up just after this. Yeah. But it was it was specifically this bit where I was like, I don't know what's happening. And it was because I couldn't properly hear what Kenneth Branagh was saying. I heard like phrases just like BMW. Like the characters in the scene could understand him. And it was frustrating yeah. me. If you hadn't have done it again, <laughs> I would I would have been even more confused because the fact is that I could hear him clearer the second time round. Yeah. Uh, it was, that scene is is probably the point that I can I can identify as that's when it started to become too much, become too yeah. obtuse. Yeah, and the fact I, that then like Aaron Taylor Johnson's character came in, swarms more characters coming in. <laughs> yeah. This was all an operation all along, and it's so <laughs> confusing to be like, what? <laughs> Why? Uh, the, uh, can we also address this is in the grand scheme of things, quite minor. But I I still find it to be a, a problem, even if it's not, you know, a major one that I would deduct, you know, several points for. The main character in this film is so receptive to all of these crazy ideas to right. a point where, I, like, like, the first time he sees a bullet fly into a gun, you know, when when they're explaining the concept of inversion to him, and he catches the bullet in the gun. He right. is so collected. There is no moment <laughs> where he is remotely amazed by this. And this kind of comes into the two two problems that we've already mentioned. One that it it feels like it's you know you, your point about condensing a six hundred page book. Like in the longer version, there might have been a point for him to express amazement at this at, at this completely crazy idea but secondly it also adds to that cold feeling because we have a character who just is not impressed or excited by this insane shit and the part where Aaron Taylor Johnson like shows up again he just accepts it he just accepts it all and then gets into the time turner thing himself without any without any questions without any sort of visible sense of fear or anything. He's just like, okay, I've got to do this now because the plot says I've got to do it. And it just... It bothered me that I had a main character who didn't seem to care <laughs> about the the concept of the film itself. It was... Yeah. It... I, I, I didn't find too much of a problem with him reacting you know what it in that way. What? It needed it needed an Ellen Page. From yeah, you mean like a yeah, like a younger character that's like ex- excited to be part of it. You mean yes, yes. 
It needs like an an audience conduit. Yes, it needs an audience conduit. That's exactly what it needs. It feels weird to say this coming out of it because it is quite a, like such a high concept film, and we're talking so much about it being very dense and mm-hmm. dropping a lot on you at once. Mm-hmm. But it's, there's a weird conflict where I feel that, and also at the same time, I feel like they didn't do that much with the concept. They do the one. They do the car chase. Yeah. They do the one fist fight, and that's really about it. Again, I want I want to emphasize that one fist fight for me. Even if I didn't enjoy the rest of the film, which uh, even though it sounds like I didn't, I I did enjoy the film. Oh, I'm not saying. But I'm even, not saying it's but, not cool. <laughs> but even if I didn't, that one scene I think would just make me like the whole film because right. I thought it was so fun and so cool. I definitely enjoyed the fight scene, but it was a case of I was expecting with the big finale coming up. I kind of just wished that they went for a, like a smaller scale ending in a lot yeah. of ways. Like I know that I Inception, as it goes on, it does get progressively bigger. It the thing is, it gets progressively bigger, but it also has the clever thing of it reduces the characters, and mm-hmm. also it's coming to this one emotional point at the end it's coming to a singular yeah. moment that then once you get to that moment then it all unravels back and it all comes yeah. back again whereas with this i felt like it was rather than you know fining down to like a fine point and then coming back again it just sort of funneled out <laughs> and it just got bigger yeah. and bigger scale as it went on it's weird that the the biggest action sequence was the least interesting action sequence yeah. in the whole yeah film. exactly and, like, it was a thing where it was interesting when it was a small select number of people are aware of this inversion. And mm-hmm. it's a thing that's happened in the future. And it's a thing that we're fighting. And then all of a sudden it just seems like this was a secret at the end of it. It's just, like, a <laughs> hundred people on each <laughs> yeah. side fighting and this massive battlefield. And, like, is this a secret? I have yeah. no idea. You've just yeah, got a yeah, load yeah. of hired goons to know about this like this world changing time changing <laughs> invention yeah yeah and it's just a case of when it's that fist fight you can you can focus on the cool inversion yeah it's it's it's, it's all about how the inversion affects a standard fist fight there whereas when you've got this massive sprawling battle it's less focused on the inversion gimmick and more just sheer chaos happening everywhere yes. yeah 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 yeah. I, I have a few more points that i want to get through if there's anything that you've got listed that we could go back and forth on um nothing uh nothing is jumping out to me at the moment but if if something comes up while you're talking i will be sure to um i realized when, when we were talking i realized one point that that was really sold to me this like the point that i got where it felt like there was a lot more information that was maybe written or like mm. in a in a law book somewhere, and the pit was the 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 algorithm, which yeah. I find completely unnecessarily confusing. Mm-hmm. Like one for the fact that it's an algorithm. Why is it called an algorithm when it's when it's an a object? physical thing? Yes, exactly. Uh, that confused the fuck out of me too. Because it's like an algorithm is like it's not a physical thing. It also it's yeah. the fact that it just call it like the formula. Just the one changing of word makes it. Yeah. So much yeah, yeah. less confusing. That was one very minor point, but it was it just added to this whole, what are they doing? And the <laughs> yeah. fact that they were like, so the bad guy, you know, Kenneth Branagh wants to get this one piece. And mm-hmm. it's like, fine. Oh, no, he's got this one piece. What now? He goes back in time 
to talk to this woman that seems to have more information. I have no time fucking clue what that that scene was about. I'm going to be perfectly yeah. honest with you, but because because it implies that she because she works for Tenet, right? Sort of. I Just, I'm not sure because she because the implication is that she deliberately let Kenneth Branagh steal. She set it up so that Kenneth Branagh would get his hands on that part of the algorithm. That's what right. they. That's what they say. Yeah, because they, they. Why? They. She doesn't tell him. Yeah. Why? Why did she do that? That this is this is the one thing that I'm still like I still don't understand. I'm gonna get back to the my algorithm point in a second, but that it's it's this weird struggle with the film where I feel like multiple times a character expresses, probably the protagonist expresses, yeah, we know this is gonna happen, but why can't we change it? And yeah. the characters just sort of say, just because. Yeah. And it doesn't really feel like they ever try to do it. Like, there's no ever moment where they clearly try to undo the part, try to undo what has happened. And yeah. they either, like, fail because it's destined to, or, like, something glitches out or whatever. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, there's I no know way... what you mean, yeah. And I kind of get why, because they, they don't want to do that, because the central conceit of why people in the future want to do it is based on the idea of can you do it or not, which is mm -hmm. another point I'm going to get to mm -hmm. <laughs> of why do the villains want to do this? It was a weird jarring thing of, and that's always a thing that you always have to establish in a time travel concept is yeah. can the past affect the future? And yes. do you want to do time Turner where everything's already happened regardless or do you want to do Back to the Future where you can change everything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the point that I was trying to get to before with the algorithm was that he goes back and he talks to the woman and then he just and she just says, you know, it was this thing that was discovered where this was one part of eight pieces of this algorithm. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, so they've got to get the other pieces. No, he, so says, he already has them. Yeah. He's, and she's like, yeah, he already has them. Why are you saying that it's this thing that needs eight pieces or nine <laughs> pieces or whatever? Like it, that's the thing where it felt like that was in the books. <laughs> like, right. You, you got like a previous scene where Kenneth Branagh intimidates someone and gets one of the last pieces. And he's like, ah, finally, just one more to go. <laughs> like. <laughs> It, um, it felt like like a Harry Potter. It was like if if the Harry Potter Horcrux thing happened. I know I don't know why we're making so many Harry Potter references, <laughs> but um, it's like if if Harry Potter found like the ring with Dumbledore and Dumbledore was like, oh, this is one of Voldemort's seven Horcruxes, and Harry's like, where are the rest? It's like, oh, Voldemort's got all six of them already. <laughs> What's why why make seven of this thing? Yeah, just say it's like it's it's just an extra level of confusion that was completely unnecessary that i think like exemplified in a smaller sense mm -hmm. what was the issue with a lot of the bigger story problems sorry to return to this point but i feel like when i asked it as a question i wasn't being rhetorical i was genuinely asking you a question why did the woman um supposedly allow kenneth brenner to steal that part of the algorithm Again, that was me sort of answering it with i assumed that it was some sort of idea of the faction that we are following, the faction that want to save time, yeah. believe yep. that things happen as they should. Things are kind of destined to happen, and that if you kind of break or if you time try to change things that you know happen, then you're just mm. asking for trouble. That's kind of what I was led to believe. I was going to ask a follow-up question, but I don't want to get into the mechanics of time travel, because I think that it's 
quite a boring thing that people do when they nitpick, like, I don't know, Back to the Future yeah. or whatever. Like, I really don't care about paradoxes and stuff, so that's fine. As long oh, as, no, if the... that's the answer, fine. Okay. That's the thing, is that I'm, I'm, I, I'm of two minds of it where effectively, like, it's like a Back to the Future thing, like, you know, you there are probably, like, I, I'm, I'm, I've never gone into it, but I bet there's loopholes, like plot yeah. holes with Back to yeah. the Future. But the main point is that I feel like I get it, and then when I watch it, it's not a confusing experience. I feel like I understood mm. what they were setting up with the time travel and it acted on it and it made mm-hmm. complete sense to me by the end. Mm-hmm. The problems that I have with time travel and when I do want to kind of nitpick and understand is when I don't understand, <laughs> like, after watching the film or I don't mm-hmm. feel like, or I feel like things are contradicting on a, on a major level. Well, if I ask you, what the, I'll, I'll explain what the, the question I was going to ask is, but I'm not necessarily raising this as a genuine criticism because, like I said, I don't, I, I don't care. But, but um, if what you're saying is that the organization wanted things to proceed as planned because they can't change, um, they can't change the future and they need everything to follow like a preordained sequence of events. Hmm. Do they not therefore also know that the world doesn't end? <laughs> I don't um I suppose it's like it's a case of they do know that the world doesn't end because right. they've reached the point. I think the problem that they have is that people are trying to send stuff back in time to do stuff that didn't happen and they're trying to stop stuff that didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Before we jump off, you know, the timey-wimey stuff, yes. I wanna, uh, I'm going to make one more, like, point, which is my whole... So the whole argument is that... So Kenneth Branagh, he yeah. is just a conduit for what the people of the future want to do. And in the future, yes. they've invented... Uh, I know I'm, I'm sounding like I'm an explainer video, but I'm, I'm talking out what I think. I know, I know, and I'm I know, waiting I know. for you to contradict me and say, no, you've okay. got this. Okay. The people in the future have invented this inversion. They've figured out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And what they believe is that, you know, the classic grandfather paradox, that if you go back in time and you kill your past self, yes. it's actually fine. Like, yes. you can actually kill your past self and you will still continue to exist. I got the impression that it wasn't so much that they believed it was fine as much as they were in such a desperate situation in the future that they were just going to have right. to take the chance. Yeah. Because the whole idea was that like their their world is uninhabitable because of things that, that the previous generations had done. Right. And I, I think they were in such a desperate situation that they were basically going to take the risk. Right. So, and that that's the kind of, it, it was definitely, it had this weird climate change, like, <laughs> moment at the end where Kenneth Branagh is just yeah. like, it's because it's cause of climate change. Yeah. Um, where he's explaining, you know, in the future, the, the, the environment's completely destroyed here. Like you said, the planet is inhabitable. So they want to go back and they think that if they kill everyone on Earth somehow yeah. in our current time, then that will mean that we don't produce the co2 emissions and everything we don't destroy the planet so that where they right. are it will just suddenly be fine and yes. that's it yes which sounds like 
just crazy talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the well, fact that somehow in the future, one, just the fact that, so they believe that I just, it just sounds like the kind of idea where someone's been handed this inversion plot element and is just like, and it's one of those teenage boys that's just like, Thanos was right. Like, all you got to do is kill a bunch of people and that will solve every problem. Like, do they not think that if you could, surely you could just, if you've got all this future technology, can you not just send someone back in time to then be someone of power and change things? If you think killing everyone in existence will not damage the timeline, then how will going back to try and fix things instead of destroy everything. Also, everything in existence. It's not just every... It's not every human. Like, if you... It's everything. They, it, yeah, it's every it's, animal. Yeah, it? so, like, like, if you kill all the bees, for example, that does irreversible damage to our ecosystem. Yeah, and without that, the that animals, makes no sense. <laughs> if, if all of the animals and living creatures are killed, then the planet is probably still going to be uninhabitable. Like, it... It just made absolute. It was just a. I made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that is like, assuming that you and I are understanding it correctly. Exactly, and that's the kind of thing where I, I, I kind of. It would have made me more annoyed in the film, if I, if I, if it didn't one take me like ten minutes after watching it to be like, <laughs> was that what they wanted to do? And then on the other hand, to also be like, I remember watching it just thinking like. There's probably something I'm missing or something I'm not understanding, which it can't be that. <laughs> like that yeah, can't be the we, reason why, right? If we compare it to the Thanos thing, with with Thanos, there's a there's the fact that Thanos is insane, like he's not supposed <laughs> to be right. You know, he is supposed to be yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. And B, as far as I the, the as far as I understand it, and I mean it is cosmic space power gem nonsense but like the way i understand it is that he clicks his fingers and whatever he kind of wants to happen happens that's how iron man is able to click and restore everything he just kind of thinks of what he wants and it happens yeah, so yeah. i assume that thanos was able to click and deliver and get rid of like humanoid life you know like he didn't i assume that thanos did not wipe out like half of the birds and half of the yeah, it's the fact rabbits that, or whatever. You know, like, I assume a... he, he deliberately just picked humans. But if the thing that's happening in Tenet is happening, it, it wipes out all life. And does that also include plants? But the main thing is that it's funny that there's more thought to it that this seems like a ridiculous concept in the Marvel film. Yeah. <laughs> in Infinity War, the, the character seems to, like, the power to do this has been somehow given because i was i believed that it was just humanoid stuff as well in the marvel yeah. stuff but they kind of let you just think that <laughs> whereas yeah. this one it fully just states you know this is everything like this is just yeah everything dead yeah that is that is, that, that is something i hadn't even thought of but you're right one last note i have written down <laughs> okay which is i want to just see if this is what you thought as well where okay. at a certain point in the film you know where you're just thinking ahead and you just suddenly, like, a pin... Like, you just have something clicks and you're just like, you know what's going to happen next. I had a moment where I was so certain that Robert Pattinson was 
Debecky's son. Oh, no, I didn't, but go on. I thought it was so clearly set up, like, so many times that Robert Patterson was Elizabeth Debecky's son, that that's why I also felt like the, you know, I said about the heist film thing. Yeah. Like, I was fully expecting there to be, like, another sequence at the end where it shows Debecky, like, raising her son, and the son becomes Robert Patterson, who then goes back in time. Right. To help what made you out. think that? And that's how Robert Patterson knows everything. It was just from the way that the son was given such importance in the plot. Like, the fact that <laughs> when, Elizabeth, when they're explaining, you know, the future wants to kill everything. And that's when Elizabeth Debicki goes, including my son. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course it includes your son. <laughs> he said everything. You don't yeah. have to add that line. It was... It was that was the... Um, the power of love line from Interstellar yeah. for me was a similar right. thing to the including my son. Like, obviously, her son is important to her, but it felt like there was also the fact that they kept focusing on the son thing. And I mm. thought also it was going to be a case where when right at the very end when she was her future self and she just killed Kenneth Branagh and was just about to jump off the boat, yeah. I thought the son was going to look up and see her and realize that there were two of her. And that was going to be like his start of his like oh, right, right. recollecting that something is up and like them talking about how he's got the finest education, blah, blah, blah. And the, just the fact that he looks like the guy, like he's got the kid. I mean, the, they look similar, like they've got the same hair color. They're both English. <laughs> Have you looked it up was... to see if this is a fan theory? It probably is. I mean, I thought it was true and I, I, I was so certain that it was going to be the case. And like, especially when at the end where they add that random tag onto his backpack. I, yeah. When I first saw the backpack, like the tag on the backpack, when he's looking down at the dead body, I knew it was Robert Pattinson. But I was just like, oh, they've probably established this key ring at some point and I've forgotten it. And then mm. I didn't realize that they established it afterwards. But um, I thought it was then they were going to do a thing where that was going to be like Elizabeth Debicki handing the kid that. And it was yeah. going to be like a thing of, oh, that's how they say it or something. Right. It was a weird time to add a random totem to this character when just for the sake of, we're going to tell you he's he's already died, but he hasn't really. Like, it, mm. it's going to happen. Now I feel like I'm just like, I've put on like a tinfoil helmet and I'm just rambling at you. <laughs> it's an interesting idea, but, but I, I didn't think of it. No. I also didn't think of your your whole point about the villain's plan not making any sense, and now you've completely destroyed that for me. Mm, because as well, it's at the very end, he was saying, we're friends for a long time, like, we've known each other for longer than you know, and I thought mm. it was then going to have, like, the fact that he he's, he's with Elizabeth Debicki. Yeah, he's, he's sort of like his stepdad. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how he knows everything, because he he's told him while he was growing up. And then he goes back and does it. Right. I have found an article online from two days ago that says, Is Neil Max fan theory explores the greatest mystery? No. Um, That's a shame. Uh, you, you could have started the most insufferable fan theory. <laughs> I saw it with Alice and I whispered it to her and, and she could have like nodded like oh yeah like it's definitely this and then she leaned over at some point and just said we don't know Pattinson's name and I just realised and we got to the end and he just said Neil 
<laughs> and we both looked to each other. It was like a moment of, oh, they did say his name. It's just so boring. We forgot it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I was so certain of it. Like, I was so certain. And then, no. Well, I mean, it was a good idea, Jack. I'm, I'm sorry that it didn't turn out to be the case. No, no, it's it not. Can it's be not your head, it can be your head cannon. That's what they say, right? Yeah, that's what the kids say. To clarify, I'm not saying this is like, uh, oh, the film would be so much better if they used my ideas instead of Christopher Nolan's ideas. I'm not one of these people where their whole review is my shitty rewrite of what I think I... should have happened. Sorry, this is my second tangent. I haven't had one in a while. Doug Walker recently did a review of The Incredibles 2, which what? was exclusively... <laughs> what, which... what a tangent. <laughs> which was exclusively... Him just proposing his idea for a completely separate idea for The Incredibles 2. It wasn't the skeleton of a story that exists for The Incredibles 2. And then saying how he would change it and how he would improve it. It was just a flat out completely different idea. And his review was just him basically pitching his version. And saying, right, right, why didn't right. they make this? <laughs> and so I assume all the comments are just, are just like, oh my god, the film would be so much better. Or yeah. like... Let him write your next film, Pixar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's fully driven by ego. Those those yeah. reviews, like it's, it, it's you, nothing... you have to review something on its own terms. Exactly. Whatever those terms I, I have no problem with someone saying it would be better if you did this and like actually used what was given with the film. Yes, exactly. To... You can you can propose you can you can sort of say how the specific way something played out wasn't the best and how it could have potentially played out better but you can't just throw in your own ideas and say this this is what they should have done exactly yeah you can't do like a ground floor rewrite you can for example you can talk about like the the rise of skywalker and you could say it would have been better if they stuck to what they had already established in the last right. Jedi. you I, can do yeah. that that's fair but you can't just completely propose your own separate story with your own separate characters and, and, and everything. You can't do that. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, to be fair, and I, I, I know what you're, you're saying the same thing, but I'm saying in the purpose of a review. I don't care if you want to do, like, a fun video where you're like, this is what I would have done. I don't mind that. I, I mind when it's under the guise of a review and mm -hmm. you're saying, like, this is my critique of a film that I watched, so here's a film that I imagined in my head and I'm going to explain <laughs> yeah. it to you for 90 minutes. Well, I know you've been deliberately avoiding them, but that I'll just tell you now, that's exactly what every Last of Us 2 quote-unquote critique is. Right, right, right. That's what that's what every single one of them is. I already I already know exactly what the number one point is, and I've t this is without having a single spoiler for the game, but I know it's about one character living. That's all mm -hmm. I know is that it's just this character should have lived. And mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which surely I just imagine must be the whole backbone of the entire story <laughs> of the of the second one. Anyway, yep. um, any other points on on Tenet? Do we um, have? no. Although I do feel like I have been far more negative than I intended to be, so I do just kind of I think want to. I think it's it's less that we're being negative. It's more that we're trying to pass out what we like why did they do certain things and trying to understand it more yeah like i do want to, i want to emphasize that 
for 75% of this film, I was completely engaged. Towards oh, the yeah. end, I did my 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 interest did wane a little, and I really thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the action and the set pieces. And I don't mean that in a kind of dismissive like, oh, the action was good though. Like like they were ridiculously creative and fun. Oh yeah, like I was fully I was fully executed. enjoying it. Like set for pieces. the whole whole first half, it was just full enjoyment yes, of it. Like exactly. just can't wait to see what's what's next. It's just the when a film leaves you with so many questions at the end, yeah. when you're left to talk about it afterwards, you've just got to talk about what you thought the answers to those questions were yeah. as opposed the, uh, to the stuff that actually made sense to you while you were watching. Yeah. And I think because because there's so little to talk about with this film outside of the plot, because the characters were just conduits for the plot. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it necessitates that the discussion be becomes about these individual intricacies because there are no scene, there are very few scenes apart from the action sequences that exist for their own sake. If that makes sense, you know, like yeah. in a Quentin Tarantino film, there will be dialogue scenes that, are there to be entertaining dialogue scenes in their own right, or to flesh out the characters? Every yeah, I'm trying scene to think in... of a word that doesn't make it so because it's it's always like people say like padder, filler, whatever. It's not like to bulk things out. It's just to round off the edges, like to give an, yeah. a, a, like a, a more of a look into the world of the film. Just something other than purely plot machinations. Yeah, yeah. And because this film is built entirely of those scenes instead, it means that you're left to talk about this stuff because that's that's what's given to you. Yeah. I also don't think it helps that it's it's all at the end. Yeah, well, I mean it's I mean there's not in a sense. Like there's a whole bunch of exposition in that first half, but it's at the end where it starts to feel like it's cramming it. Yeah, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. into space that doesn't exist. For the stuff that I really enjoyed, the f- whole first half and the all the action scenes, bar the very end one. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's just at the end, I just felt like I just wish it kept with the with the scale and the the scale yeah. of the idea that it had in the beginning, and well, just th- ran with is... that for the whole film. Do you think that it would have been better if the stakes of the film were not apocalyptic? Yeah, definitely. I, I went a bit off track talking, comparing it to the Inception ending, but I think if you'd made it a smaller scale ending, it would have been yep. vastly greater in... It had such so many cool ideas, and I don't feel like... I felt like it just went too big at the end, and it didn't focus on what it already had. I think the last-minute introduction of a, an entire army that know about this was oh, yeah. perhaps something I would have got rid of. In a lot of the promotional material, it's talked about, and this kind of ties into an idea that I was going to say earlier, which I, uh, in a lot of the promotional material, it's talked about as like a spy thriller for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I'd agree with mm-hmm. that. Like, it's sort of like, and a lot of people have said, like, it's sort of the closest Nolan's come to his own Bond film. And that's why I think I didn't mind the protagonist being such a kind of enigma. Because mm-hmm. I think I think that's sort of filling the cliche a bit, and I don't mind that. It's kind of fun that he's that he's that sort of character, but I think it does the spy thriller thing really well with the weird concept as well. 
for two thirds of it, and then at mm. the end it just drops it to be a full fledged action film. And the thing is, I because I, I think that perhaps in a way that feels quite Bondian because like a lot of those old James Bond films do end with James Bond and like an army. Storming, that is true. They do raid, like, don't they? Base. They do a raid yeah. a lot of enemy bases. Like they raid. But I just... um... Oh, I don't know which film it is, but I know they go to the volcano base, don't they? Yeah. To get Blofeld, yeah. And so I wonder if that was what he was kind of going for, but I would have rather that he didn't, and that he just focused on the small team. But then I guess if you focus on the small team of like people who know about this crazy sci-fi world, then it starts to feel too much like Inception. I, I don't know. It's I don't want to focus too much on 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 writing the, a different film but i yeah, just I know, I, I know. I, like you like you i enjoyed the first half more yeah and i i hadn't thought about the fact that yeah you may be right like the fact that i'd completely forgotten that the old bond a, a few of the bond films do end with a siege effectively yeah. of the enemy base and to be honest that may have honestly been what he was going for with it but yeah i don't think it was conveyed very well i know we've talked a lot about inception but i think it was the moments where there were moments where I was really enjoying it, like with the setup to go to the the art vault, which I really I enjoyed. The whole the whole bit in the airport was great. Yeah. Everything from the everything from the walking around, like figuring out how they were gonna execute the plan, to the plane crash, to the fight, all great. Everything yeah. in the airport, great. I think it was just it was just a small thing where and I, 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 I feel really bad because now that you've mentioned, like, I'm being a bit more negative than I meant to be. I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm doing the same. But, it, you know, in Inception, where all of the small, like, the team get their mm. own sort of mini introduction scene of sorts. Yes. And with this one, Robert Patterson just sort of appears, which is yeah. part of the, which it does ex- is explained sort of later on, but you wish you kind of got a bit more character from him right from the start, as well as the sort of the third guy on the team, the guy that's uh, the guy from that Beatles musical. Oh, oh right. Hamish is Patel. that who he is? Right. Okay. Yeah, Hamish Patel, and he just one. sort of shows up, and he's there yeah. for like part of the plan, but he just shows up. They do that one, you know, the scene that they have to have in every heist plan where the camera goes in a 360 around them while they talk, <laughs> and it's definitely not confusing at all for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> and then again, he shows up in a later plot, and I just think, why have a recurring character that you make him seem like he is an actual character as opposed to just a peon? <laughs> like, yeah. And I just remember thinking of, like, you know, when they established the anesthesiologist in Inception, mm. it's like a full scene that, one, it establishes him, even though he doesn't have much character in the film, as a, besides the fact that, you know, he's interested in developing concoctions. Yeah. But then it also has the scene where he goes underground and it establishes more of the, the world. fact that this dream science exists and that yeah. people want to live in it because it's so, you know, overwhelming and it's so real. Like, that's just another little bit of the world building around the I mean, technology. Aaron Johnson... I, I know that the sort of... Uh, when Aaron Johnson appears, it's sort of supposed to be a little sudden and disarming, but it almost felt like he was a character that I was supposed to already know yeah, from the way exactly. that he, people were talking to him. Yeah. it that And that's, that's again, that feeds into the idea of... I felt like there was stuff where it wanted me to already know it ahead of time. Mm. 
like when like when Himish Patel showed up and I was just like, Am I meant to know who this guy is? Like he sort <laughs> yeah, of yeah. from the fact that he's suddenly just ingrained in the group and they've gone from not trusting anyone to now a random guy's come in and then they go yeah. like and now this army's here. Um <laughs> it just scales up very quickly, very fast. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. Um I think I'm I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Finished. Yeah, it was it was a good film. I liked the film. I will rewatch and it. And I will rewatch it. Yes. With subtitles. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's a case where I I did really <laughs> we keep having to say we really enjoyed it, but I did enjoy it. But I re- I enjoyed I enjoy a, a lot of films where I think they're quite complicated and I could come out and say to like my family or a lot of people oh, it's really good, but you've got to pay attention. Yeah. This one, I just feel like I don't think I could recommend it to people that I know not, would, wouldn't not. want to go into a film to try yeah. and figure out a puzzle. No, I, I... Again, I know you've already mentioned that we keep mentioning Inception, but uh, in the case of Inception, that is a film that you... that The average filmgoer was able to comprehend enough to turn into a meme. And I don't think that that will happen with this. I think with this one, even if you are... With Inception, if you pay attention yeah. and you just focus, you'll be fine. With this one, if you pay attention and you focus, you'll probably still get lost at <laughs> numerous points. In this particular case, I do think that they haven't done the best job at explaining everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Properly. If you watch it with um, subtitles, it'll help though. Oh, hundred percent, definitely. <laughs> like there, there are other things where I know people have talked about being confusing, where just through scanning through like forums and things, where people are talking about how I don't get what what how the painting was important and things like that and i don't mind things like that like that was the plot stuff for the most part i didn't find that confusing like i was wait like you said i was waiting for it to get to the confusing bit <laughs> and then it yeah. hit around two thirds in but i don't have a problem with a lot of the you know filler around the edge like the 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 subplots and everything mm-hmm. mm. cool well thank you very much for listening It'll be another six months before. Yeah, exactly. If another film decides to come out in cinemas that's worth watching and isn't, you know, £20 on Disney+, Plus, then we <laughs> may discuss it. Are you saying that The New Mutants isn't worth watching? I could have gone to see it yesterday. Uh, and I kind of just... I It doesn't feel real that it's out. <laughs> Do you kind of want to preserve it as it is in your mind? Yeah, I sort of just I sort of just enjoy it more as the concept of a film that will never be released more than the actual film because I know it will just be mediocre. Like like it's not going to be it much of anything. Yeah, it's it's better living on in your in your head. Exactly. I get more enjoyment out of not watching it than I probably <laughs> will watching it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm sure we can do something again in the future when when if the planet returns to normal and we don't get you know an inverted apocalypse or whatever it was <laughs> uh, do you have anything to add no 
That was a very dramatic pause. Okay, cool. Thank you again for listening and um, listen again soon. Yeah, that sounds good. Bye. Even if that more full than I suggest, yes, and if you're a message, you have